0: Welcome to Fade This, a new show about fandom, internet culture, and the unusual things people do in video games. This is your host, Patricia Hernandez. I am joined by my lovely co-host... Hi, I'm Gita Jackson. Hey, Gita. How's it going? <laughs> well, first off, I just wanted to thank everyone for all the support, whether you downloaded an MP3 of our inaugural episode, or if you watched me wear the worst Splatoon outfit ever on YouTube, the reception has been great.
1: It was a pretty bad outfit. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gita.
1: No problem.
0: <laughs> uh, so as I promised in the first podcast, from now on, the show will have a segment where we read your mail-in comments. Today, I wanted to highlight a few different responses.
1: Sweet. Okay, so I'm going to read the first one. Let's see. First up, uh, Kotaku commenter Lord Disco says, One of my favorite online experiences was meeting two guys on Xbox Live when Halo 3 initially came out. We just randomly got hooked up in a team ma- team match online and all chatted. It was me, a 25-year-old from South Carolina, Carolina a 23-year-old Canadian, and a 12-year-old from Texas. The 12-year-old is the only weird one, but we found out quickly that he was playing Halo 3 during the day on a school day. Hey man, shouldn't you be in school right now? I remember asking him. His response shut both of us up. He said, I have cancer and my doctor says I only have one year to live. That's why my mom doesn't want me to go to school anymore because she wants me to spend more time with family and doing what I love, playing video games. For the next year, we played all the time together. We played and played and played until that kid never signed on online again. Playing on Xbox Live never felt the same again. I still keep up with the other guy, especially since we're in the same age stage of life, early 30s, married kids, etc. But we had such an extraordinary online experience with that kid. How I wish online experiences could be like that again. That's a beautiful story. Yeah,
0: that's really intense. I wonder what happened to the kid.
1: Well, I mean, hopefully he recovered and realized that he wanted to spend more time outside. And that's what I'm going to believe. <laughs> All
0: right. So Kotaku commenter Buckeye says, True story from 15 years ago. I was very heavy into Halo 2 and 3 with coworkers at Best Buy, and we would always trounce around and have some fun over a lot of beer. We eventually played with or against a guy named Travis in Buffalo, New York. We lived nowhere near him and became regular but playing buddies. After a few months, Travis said he was between jobs and on hard times, so he called up his local Best Buy, put in a good word for him, and got him a job. Never met this guy outside of Xbox Live chat. That shit will be missed.
1: That is amazing.
0: Yeah, to be like, I wish someone got me a job like that uh, shit.
1: <laughs> true, true. Um, so this comes from YouTube commenter E Helsing 3 I had the same thought in Splatoon 2 because I just randomly got some friend requests from people that I played a couple matches with. My gut reaction was to deny them. But when it first happened, I hesitated because I thought, "Wait, why do I feel weird about this? Didn't this used to be okay?" I remember back when I had friends on PSN who I met only through online games and who I never met through in real life. Why is why is this not a thing anymore? Then I deny the next person because my anti-social instinct went out.
0: See, that is exactly why I felt weird sending out those friend requests, because I was wondering if the other person on the other side would have just been disgusted. (laughs) For all I know, yeah, that friend request went to this commenter, and they were just like, what the hell?
1: Yeah, they were like, who's this weird creep (laughs) wearing a bike helmet? (laughs)
0: Yeah, maybe that was what fucked me up. They, like, looked at my profile and they saw that I was wearing the worst outfit and they're yeah. like, that's not someone who you I want to be friends with. You got mean girls
1: on Splatoon too.
0: I mean, do you find yourself doing that when you, like, walk around outfits. just judging the outfits? I judge outfits very heavily. Is there anything that characters wear that you just are like, that's a bad the, squid. The,
1: the messed up Tiva sandals, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> They're like so bad. And like, I understand and respect the people that wear the bike helmet, but I, it doesn't look good on with any of the hairstyles. It just doesn't look good. Mm. I,
0: I feel like I always judge people who are wearing the Grizzco gear, mm-hmm. even though I know it can be good, but it's just like, it doesn't feel special because everyone can can win it.
1: Yeah. There's no, less of a random chance thing. It's less like, I mean, one of the cool things about shopping for clothes in Splatoon 2 is that it is like like thrifting or something where you might find something really cool one day, but it won't be there the next day. And I, you know, like, I find the experience very rewarding. When I, when, when I finally got a pair of Noramaki Whites, it really did feel like buying new, like waiting in line to get a pair of really cool sneakers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's also part of why I'm like, I like the utility of the Nintendo Switch app for the uh, for Splatoon and buying uh, outfits, but I don't like that everyone sees the exact same thing cuz then you just see it in the lobby everyone's wearing the same thing. Yeah, they for... all that was
1: on sale that day. Yeah.
0: So I feel like without the randomized element for whatever reason ruins it a tiny bit for me. But anyway, so Gita, today the thing that I wanted to talk about was more Nintendo Switch talk, probably because For some reason, this year, the Nintendo Switch is probably my most played console, like, easily. Mm -hmm. I think I've already put in, like, some absurd hours into Splatoon 2 specifically, never mind uh, The Legend of Zelda. And, you know, now Sonic Mania is out, so I'm probably just going to keep playing it. Hell yeah. Um, So I have a problem. It's not... a real problem. I want to preface this because there's a bunch of shit happening out in the world <laughs> recently. So I ju- This is a I just video want- game problem. Yes, this is a video game problem. I'm not actually tortured over this. Um, but it kind of makes me laugh to think about it. So lately, I've been obsessed with the idea of purchasing Joy-Con. I really love the neon ones and the red or blue ones. There are even some Splatoon ones that are really dope. The issue is that they're expensive as fuck. It's really incredible. So on Amazon last I checked, and this was just a few weeks ago... JoeyCon costs more than a hundred dollars. What the fuck? What man? the fuck? Yeah.
1: That's like insane. I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to say under over a hundred dollars. I was expecting you to say maybe like eighty dollars, which no, is still a lot.
0: That's uh how much the uh, pro controllers cost. They, what? I think they cost either 69 or 79 Like, ah. more than a normal controller
1: usually does. I, like, do make that kind of money now, but, like, my initial response in my head was, I don't make, I don't make that kind of money. I don't make pro controller money.
0: <laughs> Come on. Well, th- yeah, that's the thing. Like, I can technically afford it, but it's just that sort of price tag where it's like that's not smart, right? Like I I'm, I'm shouldn't <laughs> yeah. spend that much money on a controller.
1: Yeah, you no, know, it's definitely one where it's like you have to talk to yourself in the mm-hmm. mirror and be like, I'm making this choice. <laughs> and I can't back down now.
0: So the worst part is I've already made it pretty public with how much I dislike using the Switch controllers. Like I hate the buttons on the Joy-Con. I hate how they feel. I hate how small the Joy-Con are. It's, it's not very comfortable. I just don't like taking my Switch anywhere anyway. Because it's just, like, a little too big, and I really love the Pro Controller. Like I just said, it feels perfect in my hands. So this obsession I have with Joy-Con is baffling to me. I don't need them, and I think in my heart of hearts I don't even want them, but I keep looking at them because it almost feels like a status thing. My gray Joy-Con almost makes me feel like I have a lesser switch than people that have all these wild colors. Do you feel that at all? Oh,
1: absolutely. I have the gray Joy-Con also, and fucking, okay, I ordered the gray Joy-Con, and for some reason, I needed to have the Switch the very first weekend it came out. I don't remember why, but Steven Mm -hmm. needed me to have it. And mine didn't come in because it was delayed from Amazon, which was so frustrating. Um, But the Office Switch came in, and it had the neon Joy-Con. Oh. And or it's, I got to play with a Neon Joy-Con for, like, one weekend, and then it had to go to someone else in the office. And I remember being so mad, just so mad that I had to have the gray ones because, <laughs> I mean, I am a very fashion conscious person. I do sort of, like... Like, my um, 3DS, I have the blue 3DS, and then I found a perfectly circular light blue sticker to put in the center of the back of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really do, like, customizing all my, like, electronics. I have this really cute Sailor Moon iPhone case that I spent so long looking for a perfect case that I dropped my phone and broke it and Mm -hmm. had to get a case for my second iPhone. (laughs) I had insurance, which was very convenient. Um, And... I just feel like whenever I go outside, I, the switch is still a status symbol so like not a lot of people have it mm-hmm. I like my friend shout out to Max he texted me the other day and it's like if you can re- like let me know when the bat signal for the switch restocks comes back up because I want to buy it for my friend's wedding mm-hmm. which is like a very unusual wedding gift but I guess that's something that people want now
0: That's a real gamer right there Hell yeah <laughs>
1: Um, But it's just like, if I, it's like getting your shoes in the wrong color, you know? It's Mm. like they they have the jacket you want at the store, but it's a brown leather jacket instead of a black leather jacket. Yeah, It just like feels incomplete.
0: It's interesting that you bring up the shoe example because that's what I think about. I remember when I was younger, um, you know, the cool kids would always have the Air Force Ones, and I thought they were ugly, but I still kinda wanted them because they symbolized something more than just yeah. the shoe, right? Like yeah, people treated you differently if you had the right shoes. I even remember this went back to like kindergarten. There was those shoes that you could like press on them and they would like change colors or something. Yes, Do you remember those I shoes? I remember those
1: shoes. Yeah. I wanted one of I wanted a pair of those super duper bad.
0: And the light up shoes too, even though oh, they yeah. only ever lasted for like a week or something, if that, and then yeah. they would just stop working. I also
1: quickly realized with the light up shoes that they were like a really devious way for my parents to like always know where I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but wait a minute, how did that work if multiple kids had them?
1: I was the only one in the block that had them. I was the only one in the block. So, oh at, shit. At school, it was a different story. Everybody had them at school. But on my block specifically, I had the light up sneakers, which meant that my parents could always find me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that far back? Do you feel like kids treated you g- differently for having them?
1: Well, okay, so I went to private school, so the money status thing was, like, way more prevalent there. Mm-hmm. Like, it it was like I went to school with kids so rich that I thought my extremely middle-class family was poor for, like, a very, very long time just because we didn't go to, like, Block Island in the Hamptons every winter. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one of my classmates had a house so big that... They had to turn a room that was supposed to be a pool room into a basketball court because they built it wrong. I know. It's totally nuts. I I have no idea what this man is doing now. Um, But so when I got to school, I would notice very strongly if I – Especially as I got into adolescence, I, if I didn't have the right pair of shoes or if I was wearing stuff that was off-brand. And both my parents are former hippies. Like, they couldn't give less of a shit mm-hmm. about consumerism. So it was uh, something I became very, very, very conscious of. And, like, I very strongly, like, cultivated my personality to deliberately stand out instead of accidentally being the one-offy kid. Mm. Um which I think is why I am desperately lusting after the Splatoon colored Switch like Joy-Con <laughs> because they're the bright pink and mm-hmm. bright green. Like no one will not see me.
0: Yeah, I have that controller, and I was so lucky because it came on on Amazon for the normal price. And then I checked like four hours later, and again it was over a hundred dollars. So insane. <laughs> um, So I think more broadly, it stands out to me that Nintendo has kind of managed to reinvent itself a little this generation. Like, it's almost like there are two Nintendos. There's the one that makes hilariously bad, inscrutable business decisions, and there's the one that doesn't, well, it's the same one, the one that doesn't understand online multiplayer, and then now there's also this kind of cool Nintendo. And I think a lot of it comes from the Switch itself, like you said it's still kind of hard to get and I think that adds a mm-hmm. little bit of air mystique to it like people want it even though they probably don't need it really yeah. or it's um, a little
1: bit like the first Wii in that regard, where hmm. the Wii sold out so quickly that you had to... Man, I don't
0: like, even remember that. That's so weird to think about, It's true, though. It did.
1: Like Nintendo wasn't expecting that to do well, so it didn't manufacture very many, and so it sold out really, really fast. And I remember when my dad managed to track one down for Christmas for my mom, actually. Like, my mom was the one who wanted one, and she barely can use a computer. Um, it felt super special that we had one in our house. And we never used it. We basically mm-hmm. never used it, except sometimes to play Wii Sports, but... It was still like that was such a status symbol. And the Switch really now is the same thing. I've told this story, I think, on another podcast or just in my life multiple times. And I think this actually may have happened to Austin Walker from Waypoint. But um, a friend of mine, some one of my friends, told me or said in my vicinity that they were on the, sw- on the subway and playing the Switch. And someone came up to them and was like, I will give you $400 for that right now.
0: Did they do it? No,
1: they kept their switch. <laughs> and my fear about playing the switch like in public has always been that I'm gonna like get switched from by yeah, someone. Is that for the my official switch. term? Yeah, I the think
0: official Nintendo get... TM term.
1: <laughs> if you get, they trademark that. There's like an explainer with Toad Swing. If you get jacked for your switch, <laughs> <laughs> that's called getting switched.
0: So even just beyond the status of it, of the system, I think. The system itself is really sleek and well-designed, and especially compared to the fisher Ash Price Wii U. Um, but also, have you noticed this about their ma- marketing campaign? Like, It's almost not about the Switch at all, or like the games that you can play on it. Many new commercials barely even show you Switch games. They just kind of show you where you can play it, whether that's like pulling a Karen at a party or having your Switch with you in the middle of the wilderness. It's almost like they're saying hey, don't you want to be this cool? You could be this guy or this girl in this awesome situation. You just need the Nintendo Switch. Available in your local Best Buy. At like I don't know.
1: Basically only in the Targets in Harlem is what I've heard.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, (laughs) good tip. Hot tip.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Charles from Gizmodo was like, I was looking for a Switch for a long time, and then I just went to the Target in Harlem, and I found one. (laughs) And I was like, okay. Damn. Check that out. But yeah, you know, I, I... I bl- I've noticed that too about the ads, especially the Splatoon ads um, really stuck out, struck out to me because usually with Splatoon, it has such a fun world. I thought they would be showing off, you know, Pearl and Marina and Splatfests. Yeah, why isn't Marina the up
0: there? Like, people actually super love Marina. She is
1: such a lovable little mascot character. Um, and fans are finally coming around to Pearl too, which I like. They sort of get the dynamic between the two of them now. Like, it's, you know, it's a. The they sister, ate yeah, enough shit yeah. during
0: the last Splatfest. <laughs> now that they're like, <laughs> okay, we get it now.
1: Um, yeah, so it's um, but that game. Yeah, it's all about people playing their Switch in cool situations, yeah, like, like in the
0: middle of a skate park.
1: Yeah, on a rooftop bar. Mm. Which I mean, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. Let me play with <laughs> Switch in my Switch in an infinity pool. Um, and it's it's. I think that. This is, like, a really smart way of selling the Switch, actually, mm-hmm. though. Because, one, n- most of the games on the Switch, while they are pretty accessible, it's hard to, like, sell somebody on why this Zelda is a Zelda you should try if mm-hmm. you've never, ever played a Zelda game before. Like, it's a pretty video gamey ass game. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonic Mania has a nostalgia factor, but I think most people that like Sonic as a pop cultural figure really don't give a shit about the games at all. Um, Super Mario hasn't come out yet and uh, that's pretty much all the games for the Switch right now. Um, and Splatoon, yeah, it's also like, do you, yeah. as soon as you say, well, it's a first-person shooter, but with ink, people's brains well, start to slow. You know. Third-person third yeah. shooter. Third-person yeah, yeah. shooter, sorry. Um, Not in the f- perspective of a squid, <laughs> although, would that you were. Um, so you, if you want people who aren't gamers, who I, I think, you know, that is a large part of the audience that Nintendo is trying to get with the Switch, you have to be like...
0: You can take this anywhere?
1: You can take this anywhere If you bring it to a party, will make you the coolest person at the party. Um, It is a cool fashion accessory.
0: Mm. I mean that. Yeah, if you have the neon Joy-Con,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Um, I mean that's sort of the thing that Apple was trying for a while with the Apple Watch. That's
0: true. Yeah. Well, even just thinking back to the uh, iPods and like all the different colors.
1: Yeah. And then you remember those iPod ads where the silhouettes with the humans dancing, and that was so much more about you look cool when you have an iPod Mm -hmm. than it was, this is probably the best MP3 listening (laughs) device that's ever been created. Yeah, man,
0: remember the Zune? Um, Fucking the Zune, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So it's kind of a brilliant campaign that focuses on the portability of the thing as a way to stop talking about the thing itself. Like, it's not about the Switch. It's about who you could be with the Switch. Most of us will probably be that slob who doesn't get out of bed to play a video game maybe, but we don't think about that when we see the Switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I could be Karen.
1: <laughs> I definitely have woken up and grabbed some leftover pizza and then played Splatoon until my Switch battery is done. I feel
0: that. Yeah. It's <laughs> been a thing I've done. Um, so yeah, it's weird to think now that Nintendo is cool. And if it means that I have to shell out over $100 for their fancy new controller, I think it's just, like, a matter of time before I do it. I don't know if I should feel ashamed about it or if I should just give in. Uh,
1: Cecilia, um, the our new senior reporter, Kotaku, mm-hmm. she talked a little bit about, like, girl games budgeting. And I'm not sure I totally buy into this concept she's laid out. But she says, like, the one vice she has, fashion vice she has, is getting manicures. Hmm. Um, and I... You know, I try to spread it around a little bit more, although I bite my nails too much. So I can't really get manicures. But, I don't know, it doesn't, like, bug. The idea of spending over a $100 on a fashion object doesn't bother me mm. once I start thinking No, but of, see, that, you know, that's
0: interesting, though, that you would consider the controllers a fashion object. Not I definitely
1: consider them a fashion Not
0: object. a hardware thing.
1: No, like, uh, I mean,
0: I guess that's true, because I'm not even thinking about, like, using them. I probably won't use them. I'll keep. Using the Pro Controller, it's entirely yeah. about the look of the console. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, I think it just, I I know I need to get in, like, a new purse. And I've been looking at, <clears throat> like, these Kate Spade purses that are, like, a $150. And, like, that's a normal price for a purse. And, like, sometimes, you know, the Joy-Con, I think, for me, it's a little different because I like the Joy-Con. And hmm. I use my Switch in handheld mode all fair, the time. Fair, fair. Um, but I do think, I, like, under... I understand and appreciate the need to have something aesthetically perfect. Um, and if your Switch is not going to be complete until you have bright neon yellow Joy Con, <laughs> like, Tim Rogers immediately shelled out the big bucks for the ARMS bright yellow Joy Con.
0: That's kind of what I want to. Yeah. I guess now it's that it, you looks mention really good. it. It's not even just the Joy-Con like I was thinking about which 3DS I should get now that there's the what is it the, the new 3DS 3D- yeah. XL whatever. Um and I didn't end up getting it even though I think it's faster and and lighter because I hated the color. And I went back and I looked at the older ones and I'm like kind of thinking about getting the uh really pretty Animal Crossing one because it's so, so beautiful. Pretty. And I don't feel like they've put out any 3DSs that look better than that since then, so... I mean, I agree. I,
1: I remember this when I was getting my the original DS that I was looking for the difference between the um, original DS model and the, the DS XL, whatever the second model was called, and I, I remember deciding to pay a little bit more for the second model because it came in that really pretty metallic pink. Hmm. Um, I think Nintendo definitely strives to make their consoles look a little bit less uh, unfun. You know, I Hmm. feel like the... Xbox One and PlayStation 4 look like sad VCRs,
0: you know? <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, now that you mention it, I feel like all the time when special editions come out of those games, they're just, uh, of those consoles, they just look so, look so ugly. ugly. Yeah.
1: Do you like, I don't understand the, the... who gets
0: paid to make the designs of these, like, big franchises that often just put out, like, these really ugly decals.
1: Yeah, um, I remember... Xbox 360 for a while was trying to get in on the fashion object thing, too, because it was becoming this thing that celebrities played and, like, everybody played. It was a very ubiquitous object. And they did a Bathing Ape um, 360 and, I think, a Supreme 360, and they were both so fucking ugly. And those are, like, <laughs> fashion brands that have mass appeal and make clothes that look kind of okay sometimes.
0: But I think, also, it's, just, it's difficult to make an item like that look cool, I think. Yeah. Like, at most, you can kind of hope... That it's sleek, mm-hmm. I guess. But like you said, they look like VCRs. Like I can't ever recall seeing a VCR that like looked cool. Yeah. it was just well, how how much tinier is it this time? Like, yeah,
1: how can we get it smaller and have it take up less space essentially? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the new versions of the PS4 and Xbox One—they're all just smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, when they announced the Xbox One and three and the PS4. I remember thinking like, well, one's an upright VCR and one's a slanty VCR. <laughs> um, but what the switch and, and with all of Nintendo's consoles, even though the Wii U was like a Fisher Price ass piece of shit, um, it did strive to feel a little bit more like a toy. Honestly, like mm-hmm. a toy. And like, there's not anything wrong with. Yeah, making I think that was intentional. That, you know, like toys. Then
0: I yeah. think they assumed that. If everyone was going to have it, that probably meant children. Because I feel like, yeah, you know, Nintendo products have this uh, stigma—or not stigma—they are known for being indestructible. Mm-hmm. So in that, the Wii U definitely looked indestructible. The yeah. Switch, I don't think.
1: I don't want to give it to isn't, a kid. Yeah, no, I do <laughs> not want to have a kid touch my Switch ever. <laughs> I don't, I'm so afraid. Sometimes I will put the switch down on my bed and sit on my bed to like tie my shoes or something. And then I will like immediately get up and move my switch to a far away place because I'm so afraid of breaking that screen.
0: Yeah, I'm like dreading that first moment when I accidentally scratch the screen. Oh my God. It's not even that I am going to care that much, I don't think, because like I said, I don't like taking it with me anywhere, but just the annoying, the annoyance of seeing it there kind of like when you get an iPhone for the first time or a phone, and you're just like counting down to when you get that scratch.
1: Yep. Who is going to be the person at Kotaku.com that writes uh, the article titled, I broke my switch screen and uh, now I want to die? (laughs) Will it be Kirk Hamilton?
0: Maybe. I'm just thinking about
1: the fly thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ida. Patricia. You want to talk about No Man's Sky?
1: Hell yeah, I do. So, um, what is remarkable to me about No Man's Sky is how resoundingly, definitively, Hello Games have won back their audience, and I think it comes down to a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I'm gonna look at more specifically, but it, I mean, the overarching theme of this is they don't make promises anymore,
0: mm-hmm. but they when, yeah, they're just mostly silent they, now most they don't of the time. Say
1: anything and then when they do do something they fucking deliver on Mm -hmm. like a uh, they like don't even tell you how many things they have done in that way
0: Um, yeah i was reading the patch notes and it definitely didn't include everything that's actually in the 1.3 update
1: yeah like if you had told me if they said in the patch notes something like now the grass looks absolutely like luscious and delicious i'd be like (laughs) yeah i'm sure i'm sure it looks fine Mm -hmm. but not Seeing the difference, having them say vaguely, like, oh, we've done some changes to textures and lighting, and then to actually see the difference in game. Like, every screenshot I've seen so far of a planet with grass on it now, it looks so beautiful.
0: Yeah, it looks closer to the infamous E3 demo. Yeah. Or whatever it was that they debuted on, it probably wasn't E3, but...
1: I think it was actually E3, which is, like, part of the mythology of No Man's Sky is that they got such a prominent showing... Released a game that honestly I thought was fine. It would, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Fu-
0: if you know, people expected something, and I don't blame them because I f- feel as if Hello Games kind of played into it mm. a little bit, uh, and especially because some of those coy. demos yeah. had things that aren't actually in the game. You know, and yeah. they and they talked about some features. That, I mean, not to say that this justifies at all the way that people treated them, but I can also kind of understand why it exploded in the way that it did. But anyway, sorry, you yeah. were saying?
1: Um, God, let me get back on track.
0: Well, <laughs> so I- they they uh, under-promise and they over-deliver. I think yeah. literally some people were... Uh, bewildered just to look back on their starter planet or the planet that they last did a save on and then come back and everything looked way better. the
1: capital planet of the galactic hub actually became like literally a whole different biome and was like now is like a snow planet uh, it still has the Diplodocus on it, but it's, like, they've changed everything so much that some planets you've already visited will be radically different. Hmm. And, like, this is just something they didn't say at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been fun for players to rediscover the game in that way. And then leading up to it, they had this, like, actually pretty fun, like, ARG. ARGs are very hit and miss. Like, we all remember the never-ending Sombra ARG. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Uh, God. But, I mean, to their credit it sounded a little bit different they sent what was it they sent cassettes to a bunch of yeah. different people so
1: i talked to a few people from that were d- deeply involved with the arg from reddit and youtube and a bunch of sort of popular no man's sky you know the reddit moderators from a bunch of communities and some youtubers got sent cassette tapes that sort of hinted at an arg and they actually haven't figured out what how the cassettes are related to the No Man's Sky stuff. But so they for all able we know to...
0: that there's some other big secret yeah. that people haven't discovered yet. Yeah,
1: I mean, this is another part of the under-promising, over-delivering thing. They have started just saying things like, look like with the portals. This is what's really, really getting me. It's like with the portals, they've said, these portals work now and you need to unlock a uh, certain amount of glyphs to actually use them and you can learn glyphs like you learn any other language. Um, and that's all they've said? Hmm. So now players are hunting down glyphs across the universe, um, and there's just so many more parts of how portals work that they are slowly discovering. Like, they figured out that the glyphs are a hexadecimal code, Hmm. and they were able to translate that, but then they need to find all the glyphs and actually make it work in practice. And then a player figured out that if you enter, you know... If you interact with this node that looks like a, you know, when you die, you have sort of a triangular marker Mm -hmm. that exists in 3D space that shows you where your items are. If you interact with one of those on a planet that looks like it's another player's grave, that's where you get glyphs from. Hmm. And then that adds some sort of weird lore wrinkle into this. And they didn't really say anything at all about how glyphs change the very minimal story of No Man's Sky. And it looks like it ties into something specific now, which is...
0: Yeah, really I remember before that you collected things that taught you words, but it just felt really meaningless. There wasn't yeah. like, oh, okay, I know one word from this language now, but why do I care? Like, yeah. it's never going to be useful to me. But well, with glyphs, now- uh,
1: there's only 16 glyphs, so you mm-hmm. know how many you're looking for. Um, and I'm sure that there's more than 16 graves in the world, so it's more likely that you're going to be able to see all of them. I
0: think it's going to be interesting if players ever fully figure out what all the symbols mean and if they can game it to go somewhere. Yeah, I'm ready for that. I mean, if there are just an incredible number of planets in there, if they can go to some incredibly fucked up planet or or something like that.
1: Yeah, or they can finally find the fucking sandworms.
0: (laughs) Well that's what I'm wondering. So a lot of this latest update has been adding uh exotic planets and weird planets with strange things. Yeah. And I just and I fully believe that they are aware that players are curious about like certain creatures that they want to see like unique rare creatures, especially huge creatures. So it would not surprise me if in one of these patches they included something that like only one in a billion chance of of seeing a giant whatever it is or some sort of secret like that
1: yeah it seems to me after playing the 1.3 for a little while that the game does seem to be privileging like teaching you how to explore the universe and you know all the core mechanics but then also allowing you space to discover things on your own like mm. one of the things they added was freighter crashes in into planets uh mm. which is really cool to discover wow. but they they build it into the opening quest now so you are guaranteed to see a crashed freighter in your first hour or two of play if you start a new save file on no man's sky which is cool yeah I was reading yeah. that
0: people suggest that you should just start a new game because you're bound to see some of the stuff.
1: I would definitely recommend it honestly mm. if you haven't played especially if I haven't played it since launch it is a totally 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 different game mm-hmm. and the new opening missions actually force you to see all of the new mechanics so you will get a short lesson in how those work and if you haven't seen a crash freighter like buddy it looks real awesome mm. um, just like this ship that's like in the, the earth of
0: this planet it's so cool. So it's been interesting to see how they're winning back people. So, okay, they started out with people who have been playing this entire time and already liked mm-hmm. the game. So, of course, they're going to evangelize about it. Like, we got reached out by those folks when they oh, were trying yeah. to figure out the ARG. So they started with those folks, kind of percolated to the press. So we were kind of aware that something was going on mm-hmm. for a while. And then now that the update is out there... I've seen campaigns where people are telling each other, like, if you left a negative review on Steam, you should go back and change it. Or, or if you haven't left a review, you should probably go give a positive review of the game because now it's better. And and all of those issues that we had – well, not all of them, but, like, many of the issues that we had with them are no longer there. And they're clearly listening to what people want. So yeah. I think on Steam it used to be very negative or something like that. Now like it's the, at
1: 5 out of 10 and it was it was really really low so mm-hmm. that is a significant improvement and i think
0: uh the way that the uh the category is decided is like the last 30 days or something like that mm-hmm. so if people keep keep it up and they keep uh giving it positive reviews it's possible that they might be able to move the needle
1: What's so interesting to me is whenever we write about No Man's Sky, mm-hmm. um, we always get comments from people saying, no one's playing this, no one cares about and this. And
0: I mean, for for a while, I guess that was probably true, yeah. but that, f- first off, just because uh, no one is playing a game doesn't mean no one will read about it. That's certainly like, true. Like, you can write about an old school game that probably very few people are playing now, but if you find a cool enough story, people will read about it. But... This last weekend, it was on sale and plus also the news of the new update and mm-hmm. all the stuff that it had. There were, I think it was like at number one for a little while in the yeah. Steam top seller. So there were definitely people who were playing it. They
1: eventually reached concurrence of like to 9,000 something, hmm. um, which is remarkable for a game that, you know, for a while it did just seem like it was going to have that happy little tiny community, like a little niche group um but it does seem like over the weekend people were more willing to give it another shot which Mm -hmm. is um i think you should i mean it's now the game as i wrote in my impressions post last week it does definitely seem like it's figured out what it is and now you can know whether or not you like it before you try it in a lot of ways like it's it's a survival game with base building and a heavy emphasis on exploration and that's Mm -hmm. You know, not a game that everybody likes. I still think it is a great game after two beers if you have a podcast to listen to. (laughs)
0: Um, But
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I definitely at some point should write a list for Kotaku of just games to play when you're stoned and want to listen to podcasts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure our listeners might have some suggestions there if you want to write to us and tell us what you play while you uh, listen to podcasts. But yeah, I'm excited to jump back in. I might start a new save file. I don't know. I'm like kind of attached to the stuff that I feel like I toiled to get some of those items, so I kinda don't want to give them away. But
1: the thing is though you there's so many cool things now that you Mm. will get handed to you if you start a new save file, Mm -hmm. which that is persuading me to start a new save file. Like I was able to find a multi-tool with a terraforming gun thing in it, Hmm. like right away. And I don't know when I'll be able to find one at my current save on my PS4. And right, I'm just sort right. of like, maybe I should just go ahead and do that.
0: So you were reading a little bit of the uh, reactions for people who are part of the Galactic Hub. And you mentioned it earlier, but for listeners who might not know what that is, do you want to tell them? The Galactic what that is?
1: Hub is this project from players that are trying to map out um, a corner of, the, I think, the Euclid galaxy. Is it
0: literally a, a corner of it?
1: Yeah, it's just like <laughs> a little like chunk of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is overall. In one corner, and they don't want to necessarily explore it in like a hundred percent this area, but they do want to make sure that there's one place where players can go where it's heavily landmarked, and you can sort of you can sort of have an idea of what is in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it it's has, like a weird, almost tourism thing. Yeah, right? like definitely. you can read about it before you go there. You can see really what nice. creatures live there. The, uh, I think someone even wrote like a fanfic about the planets there and you, like, in order to unlock parts of the story, you have to visit the planets and find the specific, not portals, I forget what they're called in the game, but, like, oh, because you can leave messages for yeah. other players, so you have to read the message to get the password to read more of the of the uh, fan fiction, which I think is really cool. That is so neat.
1: Oh, so, man. like, this
0: entire time, even though I feel like the public at large kind of disowned No Man's Sky, it's had this really active engaged player base who loves the shit out of it and found things to do even though I feel like the big well, yeah. thing around this game was like well what are you doing it you don't even do much like you just you just go to planets and, and you just look at it and then you don't have much to do but these yeah. people found so many different things to do even within that and now there's more stuff to do because there's because they've kept updating it. Yeah, I mean, it.
1: my big thing that I did, I my one friend, Nico, and I uh, would write each other fake postcards from the planets we visited and, like, send each other screenshots. And it was, like, this weird pen pal thing we did. It was really, really fun mm. and relaxing. And, like, you know, she, like, made up little stories about, you know, being a solo woman adventurer out in huh. space in a spaceship. And I – it felt so relaxing. Um But yeah, the Galactic Hub is that sort of writ large. It's like a bunch of players and decided... Actually, the mod of... No, it was uh, the person who had first met... The first person to meet another player um, went to the Galactic Hub, went to the planet... The capital planet, the Galactic Hub, first thing. And he said that his first instinct when the update went up was to go check out the capital planet to see what had changed. Um, And he's told me that the Galactic Hub you know, gave the... Feeling of joint exploration before Hello Games ever got around to adding the sort of limited multiplayer that they've added, and you know I can see it. There is something about that's why people like stuff like geocaching, right? Mm. We're belonging to a network where you don't necessarily have to interface with anyone, but you can find really just knowing that someone else was there. Yeah, I mean it's what I used to love about making mixtapes too, or the idea of having a pen pal is just you know just someone out is out there that is reading your words right now mm. and finds you interesting.
0: Yeah, like throwing a message out in a bottle. But although you can do that a little bit more literally in No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you posted about this. I didn't listen to the clip, but I can't imagine what it must have felt like after this entire saga of No Man's Sky, of like players not being able to meet, to have these two players be the first people to Talk to each other, yeah. and part of the reason that they were able to do it was because they were at the galactic hub, so there was more of a chance of encountering yeah. someone else.
1: Yeah. So only up to sixteen players total can be do the joint multiplayer thing at one time. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to. I would imagine in order to re- like really interact with somebody, you'd have to be in a place where you are gonna meet meet some players. You know. Um, so these. He actually met two people right away after oh, really? the update went up. Yeah, so the first person did he met— Did
0: um, they, like, plan for it, or did no, it just happen? No, it was happen? total of an
1: accident. He said he, like, saw the green, like, highlighted, like, icon, and he was like, huh, is that, like, new items that I need to pick up? And then he hmm. realized that it was, you know, that person was talking to him, and it was another player.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and actually, apparently, you can now build monuments in-game— that commemorate the meeting of you and another player. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, it's really I'm just, cool. I'm just trying to imagine what this was like because I'm probably never gonna go to the Galactic Hub because it sounds like a lot of work to try to navigate my yeah. way there. And like kudos to these players that figured this shit out because that's too much effort for me. But I feel like I would get really emotional if I was just out there randomly and then there's like someone there even after like yeah. 50 hours or dozens of hours of playing and like never seeing or interacting with anyone else.
1: Yeah. I mean this player, uh Designation G is their what they go by on Twitch. Um he was like streaming at the time too. Oh. So like a bunch of people got to watch him like mm. meet these players. Um I think I would have totally lost my shit. He said one of the players he met didn't speak English very well, but they did oh, sort of manage to um and like this the sec that person who didn't speak English very well didn't even know that you could meet new players.
0: <laughs> so they were completely surprised.
1: Yeah, so they were, like, w- listening to this guy talk to, like, an audience, like, this glowing or Oh, they must, to, they must have been confused. must have been so confused, but they did eventually figure it out. And so, like, the Designation G, like, got a chance to explain, like, no, we can hang out with other players now. Like, wow. welcome to the brave new world.
0: Yeah, I wonder, we should check out what they're up to now if there's been more coordination around the fact that People can, you know, talk to each other. I
1: think if we're gonna see, like, a return of kindly Xbox one, Xbox Live interactions, mm. it's gonna come from a the game thing, like this. Yeah, that
0: I was talking about last time. Yeah. You know what I want to happen? So right now there's one Galactic Hub, but I would love for it there to just be different factions. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you should come live on this corner of this galaxy instead of that corner of that galaxy. We have like some nice r- planets. We, like, scattered it to make sure that there was paradise over here. Look at that planet. There's only ice over there. Why would you want to go live over there? Some
1: fucking Crusader King shit. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I want, I want to see a war happen in No Man's Sky. What would a war look like in No
0: Man's Sky? I don't know. Can, can... Okay, so players can talk with one another, but there's no way to... Another no. Player, you, right? Literally,
1: the only way you can interact is through speech. Hmm. Like, if you you know deform the earth around them, it's not gonna. They're not even gonna see it. So it really is just, I just voice chat with little warps.
0: Hmm, yeah. I I really want to see chaos spring into this. World. I've heard so I want to see so much about <laughs> you in this moment. I I want to know what a No Man's Sky troll is like and how they would like mess like, with. People
1: passive aggressively naming trees and, Hmm. um, and like animals, like Patricia sucks one, (laughs) Patricia sucks two. (laughs) I would do that, I'm that petty.
0: (laughs) Or, like, uh, let's say that there's this area that's known for being beautiful, but uh, a player gets shepherded into like this super toxic planet with like awful animals in it Mm. i don't know man someone needs to figure this out because
1: yeah or just like defiling a like really pretty area with like a a base shaped like a dick or
0: something (laughs) space is too kumbaya right now so (laughs) no man's sky players now that you have a larger community you need to figure that out yeah
1: get mad at each other
0: (laughs) for us um (laughs) but yeah most of the stuff that i've seen has been really heartwarming so now that there's portals uh, there was this player on Reddit, I think, who made a planet commemorating his dad, who loves space, and I think played No Man's Sky with him a little bit. Oh, that's cool. So he named the planet after him, and he gave everyone else the uh, the address to go to that place, and mm-hmm. people were visiting it, even though they didn't know this guy's dad at all
1: that is always like i love stories like that mm. so much like my favorite i think my favorite video game story something that patrick did for kotaku patrick Klepek, who's now a Waypoint, but used to be at kotaku rip rip <laughs> sorry dude <laughs> <laughs> be on fun with your daughter um <laughs> he wrote, wrote a story about uh a, this a save file for skyrim i think mm. um where the player just like We just turn it on and, like, look at that point where his brother was in Skyrim before he died and then Mm. uh, turn it off and just, like, not move the character, not do anything at all, but just turn it on and turn it off. And then someone made a mod so that at those exact coordinates the player could put a grave there. And then lots of players started putting that grave in their games too, which is weird, but also, (laughs) like, um, it it is sort of a cool way for the community to be, like, come together to comfort someone that they don't know is like we'll all we'll all remember your brother. Um huh. yeah Patrick's I was I was thinking of and there's another great story um about uh the player that got to play Breath of the Wild before they died of cancer and I was mm. like, oh that was also a Patrick Klepik story. <laughs> he's really on the video game people who do beat. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> or uh Heartfelt articles. Yeah, yeah. let's
1: Heartfelt articles are a little bit less grim <laughs> <laughs> love you, Patrick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... I think, though, I mean, you want to see drama in space. And I'm not going to say I'm yeah, not. Yeah, man. Like, I'm not down for... I'm down for drama in space. But I love that this game is nice now. Like, for a long time, No Man's Sky, all it was was drama in space. Hmm. I remember when the subreddit was just everyday people screaming at Sean Murray.
0: Hmm. Like,
1: now, literally... The, right before the update, someone made a post in the subreddit that was like, if Sean Murray comes back, we need to welcome him with open arms. Like, we can't be dicks about this anymore. And it was so sweet and kind. And I love seeing people... I love seeing people turn around on this game because I always thought it was good. And I think it's even better than it was at launch. And you should take a chance on it. You should change your Steam reviews probably. Please do that. (laughs) All right. On that note, I think we're going to close out for the week. It was a super fun show. Um, We are now on iTunes. So if you find us on iTunes, we're fave this. Um, Please leave us a rating and a review. If you leave a great review or an interesting review, it doesn't have to be positive um we will read it on the show and it really helps us with visibility though so make sure you do read and review us um
0: we'll be back next week uh i am gita jackson i am joined by patricia hernandez oh and if you have any uh comments or topic suggestions for next week make sure to email me at patricia um
1: thanks for listening see you soon